0: So we're going to be wrapping up our series here today, 2018, and uh, I I know some of you know this about me, but some of you don't. Some of you are newer, and and you're going to find out a beautiful fact about me today, and that is that I've run out of gas over 30 times in my life. It's just who I am, man. It's just what I've done. Now, part of it is just because I'm I'm a pretty busy person, and so um, I just sort of think to myself, well, I don't have time to fill up the car with gas, right? And then the other side of it, though, is, and this is more true of me as I was younger, um, it was just kind of an adventure, man. I mean, just kind of like pushing the envelope, see how far you could go. I mean, there was something about going across the George Washington Bridge on fumes that just gets you going, you know? I mean, yeah, you run out of gas on the other side, but it's kind of worth it, you know? And so years ago, uh, do you remember when Hurricane Sandy hit? And remember the gas lines? Remember, like, there were even times where you could only go and get gas on a certain day. at a certain, You know, it was like, these license plates could go this day. And, these. and so you remember the lines and how long they were? Well, I was pushing the envelope even then, and I would kind of say, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll get it eventually. And so one day I realized, man, I really got to get gas. And so I pull onto the line, and it was the gas station near the old church building. And I'm sitting across the street from the church. I mean, there's like 40 cars ahead of me. I'm literally on the shoulder on 347. And on the line to get gas, I ran out of gas. And so I called Andrew, who was nearby at the church, and Matt Peterson. And they both came, and they helped push my car in increments of 10 feet as the line would move forward. Eventually, I got pushed into the gas station, and I was able to get the gas. And we called that. Andrew called that, see you at the pump day. And every November 1st, in case you want to get on this, every November 1st, he texts me, happy see you at the pump day. And we're hoping it's going to catch on, the kids will get off from school, the banks will be closed, you know, we're going to really try to push this thing. Now think about that situation, okay? From the outside, anyone driving by would see me sitting in a car that functioned, that had four wheels, I had my hands on the steering wheel, some 80s metal playing, right? I had a car that seemed like it looked good from the outside, but I had no power right? I had no way to to move forward or go anywhere at all. And some of us, man, that describes us. From the outside, we go to church, we read our Bible, we genuinely love Jesus. But if we were honest, we kind of look at our lives and it feels like we're missing something. We're missing maybe the power of God at work in our lives. And so here in this series, we're talking about a whole year of saying, man, God, what if in 2018 you moved in power? See, that's our prayer. Our prayer in this church is that in 2018, we will see God move in power in our lives, in our church, and in our community. And last week, I tried to encourage you that God wants us to ask him to move in power. Sometimes we think he's disinterested. Sometimes we think our requests are too small or too big. And how's he gonna do anything with that, right? Sometimes we feel like we're twisting God's arm behind his back when we ask him to move. But man, last week, I hope you left convinced that God wants us to ask him to move in power. Now today, I want to challenge us in a new way. You see, I want to challenge us today to realize that not only does God want to move in power, you ready for this, but God wants to move in power through you. Now, there's some reasons that we kind of get a little funny when I say something like that, right? Maybe some of you are like, Doug, as we've been going through this series, I've been kind of thinking that if God's going to show up and move in power, then I'm great with that, but it's probably not going to be through me. Like, somebody else is going to pray, and God's going to answer their prayer, and it's going to be this beautiful thing. But I'll be in on it because I'll be near enough to see and hear the awesome thing God did, and that'll be all great. But it's probably not going to be through me. Today, I want to encourage you that I believe God wants to move in power in and through every single one of us this year. And some of us might say, but Doug, you don't understand. I'm not really like a move in power kind of person, Okay. Like, I'm not the kind of person that prays eight hours a day. I'm not the kind of person that studies every book of the Bible. You know, I go by month and I I plow through a book of the Bible every month. Like, that's just not me. I I think you have to kind of be that person in order to see God move in power. Well, today, I hope you will see that that is not true. See, there's something we're going to discover today about how we can have this relationship with God where we see him move in power that might surprise you. We're gonna have, I hope and I pray, a real aha moment today when it comes to all of this talk about being close with Jesus and seeing him move in power and I'm excited about that. Now some of you here in the room are move in power type people and you would say, hey man, this is what I've been praying for for years. I do seek God a lot. I am in, his, in, in the word a lot. I'm in scripture a lot and I believe with all my heart that God can do great things through me and in me. That's awesome and I hope today that this will only encourage you all the more. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, we are so glad you're here. Like, seriously, it gets us so excited when somebody shows up through these doors that doesn't believe like we do. And we are so thankful that you're here in the seats today, and we hope that you're encouraged. And here's what I hope you see today. I hope you see who Jesus is, and I hope you see what it looks like to have a relationship with him. So what we're going to do is really talk about this idea of God working in and through each one of us, but what makes that happen Right? Isn't that the big question? How, Doug? I'd love for God to move in power in my life. I just don't know how. How's that going to happen? How's that going to work? Is there a key? What's the aha moment? That's what we're going to discover today as we look at a story about Jesus. And we're going to see a key in his life that absolutely you and I can tap into. And I'm excited about this because like I said a few weeks ago, I don't want one of us to miss out on this this year. I don't want one of us to miss out on seeing God do some real things, some answers to prayer, seeing him save some people we love, seeing him transform our marriage or, or begin to give us hope again or free us from an addiction or heal our body. Man, I don't want one of us to miss out on this, and I don't want one of us to believe the lie that God doesn't want to move in power in our lives and through our lives. And so what we're going to do is really going to camp out in John chapter 5 today, and we're going to see Jesus do an incredible miracle, but then we're going to get to the aha moment right? We all kind of expect Jesus to do miracles, right? We expect great things to happen when Jesus is in the room, right? But what if there's something that we can imitate in the life of Jesus that might just lead for God to begin to do some some moving power type experiences for you and me? So let's check out John chapter 5. It says this. First, we kind of hear this backstory and about some things that are happening. In verse 1, it says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish Festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here, this is important, ready? A great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Can you imagine 38 years of not being able to walk? 38 years of an ongoing struggle. Man, that's intense. Last year, the day after Christmas, I got the stomach virus. It was the worst stomach virus I have ever had in my life. In fact, throwing up was not the worst part of it. It was actually this pain that went from the middle of my back down into my legs. You know when you're really sick, when you're excited about throwing up because it distracts you from the worst pain. You know, it's like, yes, here it comes again, all right, right? You know you're pretty sick when you're feeling like that. Now, that lasted about 38 hours, right? I almost asked Kelly, just take me out in the back, shoot me dead. Like, I don't even want to live anymore. I feel horrible, right? I can't imagine 38 years. I can't imagine that consistent pain and being, think about it, so close to the potential of getting better and then yet Staying sick. And that's what this man has been through. Verse 6 says, When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Now that seems like a weird question. Of course, a guy who's been lame for 38 years wants to get well. Why does Jesus ask it? Because the truth is, and, and some of us know this, sometimes when we are stuck in a situation, as much as we sort of would, you know, snap respond, Yes, I want to get better, there's a weird familiarity to some of our suffering, isn't there? Like, If we're honest, some of us are so used to being sick or being addicted or being stuck or, or arguing with our spouse or you know, lashing out at our kids or our parents. or We're so used to that, it's almost like, like yeah, I, I want to let that go, but, but do I really? And so Jesus asks this really important question here. Verse 7, Sir, the invalid replies, I have no one to help me get to the pool when the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And so they believe that as the water was stirred, they could get in and they would find healing. And here this man is saying, I just can't, I can't get there. This man's completely helpless. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're helpless. Maybe you're in a situation that just feels so big and you you need God to desperately move in power. Verse 8, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Now that's the power we, 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 we want to walk in. right? That's the power you and I want to have and, and be able to see someone sitting on the Imagine you're walking through New York City and you see someone sitting on the side of the street and they are clearly unable to walk themselves. I mean, imagine having the boldness to get up and say, pick up your mat and walk and seeing a result. I understand a lot of us would say, but I would never do that. I'm not a moving power kind of person. I'm, I'm afraid of that. That freaks me out a little bit. I understand that. You know, I mean, I remember a time when someone came up for prayer at the end of a service and they had a migraine and they were asking that we would pray for them, that, that, that God would heal them and that this migraine would go away. And not only did their migraine not go away, when we were done praying, I had a migraine too, you know? Like, I understand the frustration of not seeing the answer and maybe thinking, man, okay, so Jesus did this, but who are we? I mean, how are we going to see anything like this in our lives? Sometimes we can't imagine God moving in power through us. But then verse 9 says this, at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Unbelievable. Talk about moving in power. I mean, everybody's life's changed. This man's life has changed. If you were anywhere near this, your life's been changed. Like you just saw a man who could not walk get up and walk. Imagine the power of that. And here we go. Yeah, I'd love to see God show up in our lives. Or or maybe it's not even a physical healing. It's just seeing God bring peace or, or joy or provision. I would love to see God do something that only God could do. Well, we're going to get to our aha moment in a minute. We're going to see something about Jesus that you and I can tap into. But unfortunately, before we get to that, the story takes a bit of a frustrating turn. So Jesus has told the man, get up. The man has gotten up, picked up his mat and walked. And then it says this, the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. Forget the fact that this man was just healed They're not focused on the fact that Jesus just did a miracle, that Jesus just moved in power. They're focused on the fact that the guy's carrying the mat because their law said he shouldn't do it. And here's what I want to say here, and this might feel a little bit off topic, but I promise you it's not. It seems like so often when God is moving, there are people really, really kind of watching it closely to try to discount it. You ever seen that before? It's the most frustrating thing in the whole world. When God is really doing something and people are standing there saying, no, no, that's not valid or that's not real. Now, you don't want to say something is valid that is not valid. You don't want to make something up. You don't want to, you know, say, oh, God did something when he didn't actually do anything. But let's be really careful in 2018 as we pray for God to move in power to not try to kind of get in the way of God moving or to try to discredit what God is doing. I'll give you an example. When I was like 21-ish. I was a youth pastor out in New Jersey, and I was working in a really small church, and we had like 10 kids in the youth group, but then we started to see God move in this little town. Like, none of you have heard the name of this town. None of you have driven through this even accidentally, right? It's this tiny little place in the middle of nowhere, and we started to see God move, and kids started to come to church, and And it was incredible. We started to see kids, like almost every week it felt like a new kid, a new teenager was giving their heart to Jesus. And these were kids that were not church kids. These were like just, you know, normal kids out there in the middle of nowhere that want nothing to do with God. Suddenly they're excited about Jesus. And there were a few people in the church that were excited about it, but I got so much flack from most of the people in the middle of this move of God. They couldn't see God grabbing the hearts of teenagers. All they saw was, well, that music's really loud, you guys playing there on Saturday nights. And then, God forbid, one time one of the elders was in the room when a kid walked on the pew. Ooh, right? I know. And then there was the Sunday morning where a kid walked in wearing a hat. Man, you know, when Satan was plotting his takeover of the world, I know his strategy was if I can only get kids wearing hats into church on Sunday morning, my victory will be certain, right? I know that is the worst thing that could happen, right? And one of my least favorite church memories, oh, this Sunday morning, this kid comes in. I mean, he doesn't know anything about church or God or Jesus, and he's in church on Sunday morning, and he's wearing a hat, and the worship time ends, and the the person on the stage says, hey, go greet somebody. And an older person in the congregation went up to this kid and said, you show some respect and take that hat off. I thought, man, what a great way to stop a move of God. What a great way to to show this kid you care more about his hat than his heart. What a great way to make this kid never want to come back to church again. You know what? We have to be so careful as we cry out to God to move in power that we don't become like these religious leaders who could only see the mat this guy was wearing, and they missed the miracle. And so 2018, let's continue to look to God. Yes, we want everything in order. We're not going to get all crazy and nuts, but... Let's not quench what God wants to do. Then in verse 11, the man who was healed replies to these religious people. He says, but he, it says, he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. The guy's like, look, this guy, I've been sick for 38 years. I have been able to walk for 38 years. He told me to pick up my mat and walk after he healed me. I'm going to pick up my mat and walk after he healed me. Sorry, right? Then it goes on, verse 12. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said, Now, this seems harsh, but hang in there, okay? See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. Now, we've already established in this series that sometimes the difficulties we go to are related to things that we've done, but very often they're not, okay? But in this specific situation, clearly this man had gone through some things, and Jesus was saying, Look, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I love you enough to tell you don't waste the grace that's been given to you, okay? And and God loves us enough, and I I talk about this all the time, right? God loves us enough to, to allow things to happen in our lives to pull us away from sin that will kill us, even if it's difficult, right? And so what Jesus is not doing here, he's not threatening this man, he's not trying to scare this man just for the sake of scaring him. He's trying to say, look, you've been given great grace. Do not waste this grace. If I could just plead with you today, if you're here in the room and if you've been given great grace, don't waste that. Don't take that for granted. If God's moved in power in your life, then continue to surrender to him and allow him to continue to do awesome and amazing things in and through you. And it goes on. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. Again, the religious people coming back at the move of God, right? Got to be so careful not to do that. Then verse 17 In his defense, Jesus said to them, If you're not a follower of Jesus, just lean in here. You ready for this? My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Okay, this is important. You ready? For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I need you to think about that verse for a second. If you are wondering who Jesus is, I'll tell you who he is. He was not a great prophet. He was not a nice man. He was not a good person. He was God in the flesh. Come to rescue us. Come to save you and me. Come to give his life in our place so we could know him. Then the story goes on, and this is where we find our key. How could Jesus move in such power? How could you and I begin to move more and more in power? How how is this possible on Long Island in our crazy, busy schedules? Do you know what everyone says to me when I ask them how they're doing? Everyone. Good, just too busy. Every single person, like I, that's probably be every one of your responses today. How on earth are we supposed to be people that God can move in power in our lives when we can't just sit home and pray eight hours a day? Ready? We're gonna find it right here, verse nineteen. Jesus gave them the answer. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Now, this is our key. You might have missed it, so let's work through it. What is one of the reasons Jesus could move in power? Well, yes, he's God in the flesh, so he's got us there, right? But what did Jesus just tell us? I mean, Jesus just said, I can't do anything apart from the Father. Well, that's interesting because I can't do anything apart from the Father either. Neither can you. So Jesus kind of leveled the playing field here, didn't he? And then he said, I just do what the Father's doing. So, okay, let's keep working through this. Okay, Jesus healed this man because the Father was up to that. That was God's agenda. But how, you ready? How did Jesus know that this was the Father's agenda? Because he kept talking to his Father. He kept listening to his Father, right? You see, what we need to see here, would you read this along with me on the screen today? Jesus' ability to move in power was directly related to his connectedness with his Father. And the beautiful thing is you and I can be connected to our Father too. Isn't that incredible? Like, this is how you and I in 2018 in our busy schedules can actually see God move in power, not just in the person next to us, not just in the person across the aisle, but in our lives. And this is how it's possible in the midst of our crazy schedules, is that you and I continue a conversation with God throughout our day. Right? This is something you've heard me talk about in the past. If you're not a follower of Jesus... This is the beauty of a relationship with God is that sometimes maybe the picture that's painted is Christians get up earlier in their morning, they read their Bible, they close their Bible, and then they go live their real day, right? But Jesus here, he would get up early and spend time with his father, but he never stopped the conversation throughout his real day. And that's one of the big reasons I believe Jesus saw so many beautiful things. Yes, he was God in the flesh. Like I said, he's got us there But he just told us he could do only what he saw the Father doing. And so this ongoing conversation with God is so important. This ongoing conversation with Jesus is so vital. This connectedness, this continual being conscious of him in our lives and with us through our day. So many of us tomorrow, well, tomorrow's a bad example. The kids have off from school, don't they? But Tuesday, kids, when you go back to school, you can go through your day with God. Sitting home tomorrow on your off day, you can go through that day with God. Uh, the rest of us here in the room going back to work this week, spending the rest of our Sunday here, going out to the restaurant. What would it be like if we were eating in the restaurant and we had God on our mind? Not that we can't think about anything else, not that we be, you know, become these robots who are only tuned in to you know, everything God's doing and we're praying 24-7 and we're not you know, interacting anymore. But what if we're sitting at the table today and we're eating and we're laughing with our family and we're spending time with friends and everything is good, but God's on our mind so the waitress comes over. And instead of just sort of going on autopilot oil pilot like we normally do and just paying and saying, I don't know, what if we listen to her? What if we get to know her a little bit? What if we, we hear her loud enough to hear her say, oh, man, I, I just, you know, it's good being here and working. I'm just, I'm just a little bit frustrated with life lately. I mean, people say these things. We just, we just kind of go, I'm sorry, right? What if we were in the conversation with God still? And instead of just saying, oh, I'm sorry, we said, hey, I'm I'm so sorry you're going through that. Can I pray for you? Like, or, or if that makes you feel weird here, I just want you to know I'm going to be praying for you. I mean, in Bobby's Burger Palace, which is almost heaven on earth, we have gotten into some really awesome conversations with the waiters and waitresses there. Just because we listen. Denise. We listen to Denise as she serves us. And we talk. She's cried in my wife's arms in Bobby's Burger Palace as she shares about her, her child and what he's going through. Just keeping the conversation open, staying connected to God. Some of the most exciting times in my life, and I do not live this even close to perfect, but some of the most exciting times in my life are when I'm living my day God conscious, connected to him, listening for what the Father is doing or what he might be saying. And some of you guys may be saying, but Doug, I'm just no good at this. I'm not great at kind of keeping that conversation with God going. Okay, that might be true, but to know, you know what you are great at? You are great at keeping a conversation going. Maybe not with God, but most of us, there might be a couple of us who aren't this way, but most of us in this room right now are great at keeping conversations going all day long. Some of us do it in person, with the people we work with or family members. Some of us do it through texting. You literally text the same person all day long. What is that? That's keeping a conversation going all throughout your day. Some of you do it through uh, social media, you're keeping a Snapchat conversation going, or you're telling the whole world everything going on, on, on Facebook, or Instagram, or whatever it might be. So we are masters at keeping a conversation going all day long. It's just not always with God. You know who I talk to the most? It's a little scary. Me. <laughs> Anybody talk to yourself all day, right? There'll be times i am like down in the basement, Kelly's like, were you on the phone? I'm like, no, I was talking to myself, you know? They actually say intelligent people do, so don't think I'm crazy, all right? But we are so good at keeping a conversation going all throughout our day. So we've got to learn how to say, all right, rather than only talking to so-and-so or only texting so-and-so, God, I'm going to keep this conversation going with you. Now, of course, the question comes up, well, how do, how do we hear back from God, though, right? Like, that's where it gets a little tricky. I mean, again, Jesus had an edge on this. But I don't think we're looking for an audible voice. We're certainly looking to God's word where he's going to speak. But I think, aren't we also looking for those impressions he puts on our heart, right? I'll give you an example. Stupid, stupid, stupid example. This morning, I put the sign out at the front. I'm walking back toward the school, and there was a water bottle on the ground in front of me. And I just felt this impression in my heart. Pick that up. I walked past it. (laughs) And I thought to myself, you know what? Maybe I should pay attention to that, because there's a security guard in his car right in front of where that water bottle is. And maybe, just maybe, I'm supposed to go pick that thing up and the thought will run through the security guard's mind. It's pretty cool. Here's this church using our school and somebody walking by, I don't know who I am, but somebody walking by just picked up that bottle. These are, some, these are some pretty cool people. Maybe maybe I should lean in on what's going on in this church. I don't know how, what God wanted to do, but just those little impressions of, God, what would you have me do? God, how, how do you want me to treat somebody? I mean, think about it this way, right? If you're God conscious, you're gonna treat people differently. Like I... I I argue with my wife sometimes. I, I, I get upset at my kids sometimes, right? But if I am God conscious in the midst of that, I'm going to disagree with my wife and kids very differently, right? Aren't we going to just stay connected to him in the way that we talk with people or, or just have those impressions or those moments in our heart like, I just had to, I had to just give you, I just felt like God wanted me to give you 50 bucks just say be blessed. Is that going to go bad? Like is, that, is someone going to, how dare you? You know what I mean? Like that's going to go good right? Isn't God going to use us? Isn't, aren't some awesome and amazing things going to happen? I just can't imagine how God might move in power in 2018 if we will get into the habit of just keeping the conversation with him open. In the past, I've said by staying plugged into him, right? Just saying, God, I want to go throughout my day. You ever watched a movie with God? <laughs> it's like some, some movies you can't watch with God, right? Well, then you shouldn't be watching that movie, right? But, but sometimes, man, you can watch a movie. Our family was watching, watching some, uh, some shows on Netflix this past week, and we watching it with the kids and stuff. And about halfway through the movie, I just said to the kids, you know, I hope what you're seeing in this, because there were some people making some bad choices. I said, I hope you're seeing in this, like, man, when we don't do things God's way, like, do you see how empty these people are? You know, I mean, just, just staying, again, God conscious. I don't think God's anti-movie or TV. It's just we should be able to let him teach us things even through our entertainment. And even through those fun times and those things that we do. There's a man who lived in the 1600s named Brother Lawrence. We got a drawing of him up here on the screens there. That's a rather 2018 beard, isn't it? Right? That's pretty legit. But I love this guy. And I actually want to emulate him with my life. In fact, I'd appreciate if you started to refer to me as Brother Douglas. So uh, you think that that's all right. I appreciate that. Why do I love Brother Lawrence? Because he lived this out so well. He lived out what we are talking about so incredibly well. In fact, there's a book published with a collection of his conversations and letters. We took that down very quickly so you couldn't screenshot it and get it off your social media. I know Lee's trying, right? I'm, I'm wise to you, Lee, right? But this guy writes these letters to some people. He has some conversations with some people. And he asks, it's actually kind of funny, if you read the beginning of this book, it's called The Practice of the Presence of God. If you read the beginning of this book, you see that in one of the first conversations he ever had with somebody, he said, please don't share these things with anybody. So then after he died, they published them all in a book. So wonderful honoring of his request, right? But Brother Lawrence was a soldier who got injured, ended up going to a monastery and becoming a cook, and he hated it. He hated working in the kitchen. He hated cooking. He hated cleaning the pots. And there he was He was described as an, I'm telling you, this is right in the book, as an awkward fellow who broke everything. Why do I like that? Because he's a natural, normal guy. I'm that guy, right? This guy was not a superstar Christian. He was not a rock star. You would not have picked Brother Lawrence out of a crowd and said, he's going to be the next Andy Stanley, the next John Piper, the next Billy Graham. He was a quiet cook. He lived in a kitchen that he hated but he learned to practice the presence of God. He learned to stay God-conscious. He learned to stay connected 24-7. And I want to read with you some of the things that he said. Here's what he said. That we should establish ourselves in a sense of God's presence by continually conversing with him. That it was a shameful thing to quit this conversation. That we ought to act with God in the greatest simplicity. If you're not a follower of Jesus, that's big. Oh, I don't know how to pray, I don't know. Brother Lawrence is saying, just talk. Simple. Great, great simplicity. Speaking to him frankly and plainly and imploring his assistance in our affairs just as they happened, that God never failed to grant it as he had often experienced. So here's a guy in the middle of his mundane cooking and cleaning, he was with God. He's cleaning pots, talking to God. He's cooking, talking to God. He goes on. He goes on to say that, that with his With him, ready for this? The set times of prayer, what's the big Christian word for that now? Devotions, nothing against devotions, that's great. But those devotions or those set times of prayer were not different from other times. That he retired to pray according to the directions of his superior, but that he did not want such retirement nor ask for it because his great business did not divert him from God. Isn't that interesting? He could go throughout his day and be as connected to God as he was when he was in his room by himself. Because he just developed this habit of staying God conscious and remaining close to him. He said, goes on to say that, that we might accustom ourselves to a continual conversation with him with freedom and in simplicity. This is important. That we, that we need only to recognize God intimately present with us. What would happen if you did that at school this week? You just recognize God's with me. He's intimately present. He's near." And you know what? This begins with eyes of faith because some of us might say, I don't know if God's near. But this begins with the eyes of faith. But then as we experience God moving power, we go, oh wow, he really is, right? What would happen at work this week? What would happen at home this afternoon if you knew God was intimately present with you? How might you act differently? How might you be willing to pray for somebody? How might you be willing to be generous with what you have? I want to encourage you that as we're going to see in the next little part here, this was a struggle for him. Because I'm, again, some of you guys are saying, look, I'm not Brother Lawrence living in a monastery. It's 2018 and i got to work or i got to go to school or I live in the real world. Okay, but listen to this. Such was my beginning, yet I must tell you that for the first 10 years I suffered much. The apprehension that I was not devoted to God as I wished to be, my past sins always present to my mind, and the great unmerited favors which God did me were the matter and source of my suffering. During this time I fell often, and rose again presently. Guys, can I just encourage you this week? We'll walk out of here today and say, yes, 2018, God's going to move in power in my life. I'm going to stay God conscious. I'm going to stay connected. And by the time we get to town line, we might be completely disconnected, right? And Brother Lawrence is saying, yeah, that was me too. But that wasn't the end of his story. He says, I rose again. I rose again presently. I got back up after I would fall. And I would continue the conversation and he's, he's talking in this part of the letter to someone who was saying, man, but I just can't seem to pull this off. I just struggle with this. He says, you tell me nothing new. In other words, I knew that. You're not saying anything I didn't know. You are not the only one that is troubled with wandering thoughts. Anybody here struggle with that? I'd love to stay connected to God, but my mind's like out the window. Brother Lawrence gets it, right? Certain bad habits of wandering, dissipation, they are difficult to overcome and commonly draw us, even against our wills, to the things of the earth. I believe there's one remedy for this. Confess our faults and to humble ourselves before God. God, my mind is out the window. I can't seem to stay connected to you. I can't seem to continue to practice your presence or stay near you. God, I humble myself before you because I want to walk this life. I want to remain near you. I don't want to unplug from you. I don't want to disconnect anymore, God. Brother Lawrence is saying that was where he saw God show up. It was in that crying out saying, help me to learn to love your presence. Help me to learn to keep the conversation open. I love this. You ready? Blind as we are, we hinder God and stop the current of his graces. What a beautiful thought, that when you and I are connected to God, there is a current of grace flowing to us. When we walk through school or work this week next to Jesus, near him, plugged into him, there's a current of grace flowing through our lives that's just not going to be there. When, like he says, blind as we are, we hinder it, we stop it, we, we unplug from that, we disconnect from his presence. Then he says this, yes, we often stop this torrent by the little value we set upon it, but let us stop it no more. Let us enter into ourselves and break down the bank which hinders it. Let us make way for grace. What will your life be like if you made way for the current of God's presence to just continue to work in and through you? What would happen? I can guarantee some marriages in this room would turn around and guarantee some of you kids here, you'd begin to find new strength to face temptation and peer pressure in your schools. I guarantee some of us older might find some purpose that God would have for us in some of our older years is where we're maybe feeling like you're less and less involved or less and less like we have anything to say. Or I'll tell you what, allow God to lead you. Be about what the Father is doing. And then Brother Lawrence says this, and he answers our fear that this is going to be boring and terrible. Okay? that this is going to be a miserable way to live life. Listen to what he says. There is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. And if you read this book, Brother Lawrence talks about how he gets so excited about being close to God in the presence of God that he gets himself embarrassed, that he has to literally limit himself, or his joy and his excitement about this closeness with Jesus would literally make him a mockery. So if you're here today saying, oh man, Doug, I'm just not this person. Remember, Brother Lawrence said he wasn't either for a long time of his life. But yet he remained and he continued to go to God and God drew him in close. And he got to the point where he would just live his day connected to God and God moved in such power. So think about how God moved in power in this man's life. You're talking about someone who didn't enjoy the presence of God to someone who delighted it more than anything on earth. Somebody who hated the job that he had but found joy in it because he was with Jesus doing it. Somebody who began to discover the actual presence of God and the joy and the peace that would bring. That sounds to me like God moving in power. And it came out of a close connection with God. So can I just say it this way? That the bottom line here today is the more connected we are to God, the more we'll see Him move in power. That some of us have the the luxury of, of carving out, hours on end to spend with God, but many of us don't. And we wake up and we spend some time with God, or before we go to bed, we spend some time with God. But what if all day was spent with God? And what if we learn to delight in his presence and take those, those thoughts to head out the window, which happens to me, by the way, if you're thinking like, oh, Doug's this holy preacher guy and he has, you know, this amazing prayer time with God. I do love to pray, But I get distracted half the time too, and I have to reel that back in and say, All right, I'm getting back on track now with my thoughts. Lord, help me to plug back in and remain connected to you. So, do you see God wants to do this in your life? He wants to move in power through you and in you as you remain close to him and conscious of his presence. What would happen in 2018 if we were to cry out to God and ask him to move in power? What would happen if we kept the conversation going? Let me tell you a couple things that would happen. We'll see him at work in our lives. Healing, providing, directing, drawing us close to Him. We'll see Him at work. You know what else we'll see? We'll see Him at work in our church. And if I could just tell you something, God is at work in our church. I was at a meeting for pastors on Tuesday, and about five different pastors from Long Island came up to me and said, Do you know you guys are probably the first church that's been able to meet in a school in the last 30 years on Long Island? God's working in our church, God's opened up an amazing door. I mean, pastor after pastor come to me, how did you make this work? How did this happen? Like, I just did. God opened the door. It worked. I didn't try to make this happen. God worked. Do you know what else we learned at that conference? We learned that there are three things, three number one things that get in the way of reaching more people as a church. Lack of space in your auditorium, lack of parking, lack of kid space. Do you realize that all three of those were true of us seven weeks ago, but they are not true of us anymore? God's at work in our church. He is moving in power, and he'll continue to. And we'll see God work in our community. We'll begin to see him work in the lives of the people that we go to school with and we work with and live in the houses, next door to us. as we see this amazing mindset of, God, just move in power this year. Keep me connected to you. Speak to me. Help me to do what the Father is doing. I heard a story about a young lady who went to college and she was an atheist. And she wasn't just an atheist, like I don't believe in God. She was, what she called herself, an ev- if I could call her this, an evangelistic atheist. In other words, her goal was to spread atheism. Not just believe it. And she had as her goal as an incoming freshman to college, the goal to just make great friendships and relationships. And, and as it turned out, many of the great friendships she just sort of found naturally happened to be people who were Christians. And so they began to share their faith with her. And she was like, I want nothing to do with this. Do not tell, talk with me about this. And do not pray for me. And as she was going through her college experience, she said this. You can read this along with me. I began to see everything I was doing was becoming meaningless. It was, if if what I was doing didn't have eternal meaning, then it was all in vain. She began to think, if God is real, he should be able to hear my prayers. Each night she began to pray that he would help her understand what she'd been hearing from her friends because it seemed like foolishness to her. So her friends are ignoring her. They're continuing to share the love of Jesus with her and pray for her and all this stuff. And, And so she's wrestling back and forth and she's uncertain and she had grown up Buddhist, I believe it was. And so she's just in this place of like, you know, I grew up Buddhist, but now I'm atheist and here are these Christians and trying to make sense of it all. One day... She walked into a small room on campus and that small room had been turned into a little prayer room by her Christian friends without her knowing it. And she saw this little bowl on a table and she went over and she picked up the bowl and she began to pick out the pieces of paper that were in the bowl. And you know what was written in the bowl? Her name over and over and over and over again. It was a little prayer jar her friends had made and her friends were praying for her and they wouldn't give up and they persisted in prayer. She burst into tears. And she began to realize that God was softening her heart. She says this, all of a sudden, I had a desire to put my trust in Jesus and go share with people. God is real. He has changed my heart. She's currently studying preparation for full-time ministry. Now, what led to that? It was the continual crying out of her Christian friends. God, move in power. Move in power. Draw her to you. Show her your love. Show her you're real. Show her you're good. Show her you can be trusted. God will do the same for you and I. And a huge part of this is remaining connected to him. The more connected we are to God, the more we will see him move in power. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him today, as you've seen who God is, who Jesus is, God in the flesh, come to rescue us, come to die in our place. And what a relationship with him looks like, that it's not this boring religious thing. It's this alive, moment-to-moment, fresh relationship where he wants to impress on our hearts different things and draw us close to him and walk through our day with us. Man, I hope today you'd think about putting your trust in him. If you'd like to do that, I'm going to give you a chance in just a minute. But I hope you and I, man, we will live the connected life. Because the more connected we are to God, the more we'll see him move in power. Let's pray. God, we come to you excited about this year. And I thank you for this series and I thank you for all the things that you have spoken and all the ways that you've just moved in our hearts and encouraged us. And I just pray that this will be an unprecedented year of seeing you move in power and transform so many different situations that are just way too big for us. So God, would you help us? If you're a follower of Jesus and this whole staying God conscious and practicing the presence of God is a struggle for you, then do what Brother Lawrence said. Be honest with God. God, I don't like to pray. God, I understand your word. I open up the Bible, I don't get it. Or God, I, I like to pray, but man, I, I just seem like I don't have enough hours in my day. So God, would you meet me as I'm driving? Would you meet me as I'm at the grocery store? Would you meet me as I'm in the office or walking through the halls of my school? And would you keep this relationship with you alive 24-7? And God, in that relationship, would you move in power? And if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, You want to put your trust in him. Would you just pray something like this? Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for loving me so much. Thank you for showing me today that Jesus, you are God. And that you want a relationship with me. That you care about my heart, not just the outward. Not how I dress or that I'm in a church right now. But God, you care about what's going on inside. And so would you transform my life? Would you show me? how real you are. Would you let it become my experience that your presence becomes my delight? Thank you for all you've done for me in your name.